This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. The seventh day of July, 2022, a warm and sticky one down here in the southeast. Uh, some big storms came through last night, got some more coming days. It's one of those things that in the summertime, I guess, got used to that up in New England, right? We get that a lot in the afternoon, those uh, thunderstorms. We get the same thing here uh, as the humidity builds in here in the mountains. Uh, lots to get to this morning, a lot of sports stuff. Uh, big debut for the Red Sox last night. Didn't quite go uh, the way everybody had hoped it would, uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But i, I got to start the, the show this morning. We spent some time yesterday morning talking about that uh, horrific shooting uh, in Illinois on that 4th of July parade and um, the the moron Lauren Boebert uh, saying some really idiotic things uh, about it and uh, – and talking about just, you know, how the people with common sense have kind of gotten lost. And, you know, the, it, it, if we want to take back this country, the, those of us with the common sense have to be the ones that are going to uh, to do it, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle, right, left. If you have common sense, listening to some of these people say things like Lauren Boebert did the other day uh, and what Marjorie Taylor Greene said yesterday, uh, this is the, the kind of stuff that, you know, you listen to this and—, and I, I I always wonder how can anybody with with uh, half of a brain vote for this woman? Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday uh, suggested that that shooting at the parade in Highland Park, Illinois, was orchestrated by the Democrats. I'm not making this up, folks. Here, here's what she said: two shootings on July 4th, one in a rich white neighborhood and another at a fireworks display. Uh, she said, it almost sounds as if it's designed to persuade Republicans to go along with more gun control. We didn't see that happen at the Pride Parades in June, but as soon as we hit MAGA month, the month that we're celebrating loving our country, we have shootings on July 4th. Can't make this stuff up. You know, I mean, just, I, I don't I don't get it. You know, and she represents the state right next to mine down in the state of Georgia. I'm five minutes from the Georgia line, and it just it, it makes my skin crawl, and it makes me— uh, Look, I have friends that I've met since I've been down here that live in Georgia, and, you know, it's difficult living where I live. This is, this is Republican-controlled country. There's no question about that. And, you know, not that I have a problem with pro- Republicans. I was a Republican up until uh, recently when I, I got out of the party because the Republican Party that I signed up for back in uh, 1978 when I registered to vote for the first time is not the Republican Party that we have now. And when you have people like Donald Trump and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Matt Getz and Madison Caulfield and people like that that are in this party 
spewing the 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 kind of garbage that they do. Let, let alone, you know, people like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham that are stonewalling and stuff all that. It's not even that. It's just a, these these people that say these outrageous things that y- you actually say to yourself, they don't really believe this, do they? They've they've got to just be doing this because they think that the uh, uh, the people with uh, uh, one chromosome down in in their districts uh, think that uh, that what they're saying is the truth. They've got to be doing that for the vote, right? They can't really believe this, can they? Unbelievable. So anyway, uh, just I it just I saw that this morning, and you know it's one of those moments where you read that and you almost spit your coffee out. Unreal. Uh, before we get to baseball, a couple of uh, notes on some other things. They're staying kind of in the political arena right now. Uh, Brittany Griner back on trial this morning in the Soviet Union uh, for uh, supposedly having uh, cannabis vape cartridges in her luggage, and she was arrested. She's been in jail there, I think, for five months or close to five months. Faces 10 years in jail. And look, I don't think anybody is necessarily disputing the fact that she had these vape cartridges, you know, and look, drug laws in other countries are very, very serious. You know, I mean, we've, you know, what was the, I can't remember the, it was something, the something express, was it the Istanbul express or the Turkey express or something like that? It was a story that came out back in the seventies about a guy that got caught, uh, with, uh, dealing or, or buying hashish or something in Turkey and spent years in prison. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's a real thing. It happens in other countries. I was in, I worked in Saudi Arabia and we had a, uh, a guy that I worked with that got caught dealing drugs in Saudi Arabia. To the best of my knowledge, he's still in jail. He got sentenced to, well, maybe he's not, maybe he's out by now. I think he got sentenced to, to 20 years in jail or something like that. And, you know, his family outside of uh, bread and water, his family had to supply food so that he could get real food as opposed to just the basics of bread and water to keep him alive. I'm not making this up. This, you know, so, uh, but I don't think anybody's disputing what's going on with Brittany Griner. The problem is, is that Brittany Griner has become a political football. And I think under ordinary circumstances, you know, would she, they, they would have arrested her. Yes, she probably would have gotten a slap on the wrist or been deported and said, don't ever come back. You can't play uh, professional basketball in, in Russia anymore. You know, it would have been something like that. But because of what's going on in Europe right now and w- the, the war in Ukraine, and she was arrested building up to the war in Ukraine, Vladimir Putin and his people knew exactly what they were doing. They needed leverage to, keep, to get the U.S. to back off. And, and here's the problem. Now, she's written to the, the president directly, and he has supposedly responded to her, and he spoke, reached out to her, to her wife and all this other stuff. But look, at the end of the day, um, I'm not sure how much Joe Biden's going to be able to do. The only thing that they could probably do to get her out is the prisoner exchange. And there's been some talk about uh, swapping her for some uh, arms dealer uh, uh, Victor Bout, I believe his name is. He's known as the Merchant of Death. That's yeah, a great, that's a great nickname for you. What's your name, Skippy? No, I'm the Merchant of Death. Uh, but there's some talk about maybe uh, trying to swap her along with. Uh, there's another uh, U.S. citizen, uh, a former Marine, Phil Whalen, who was uh, uh, serving a 15-year sentence over there for espionage that he he's that the U.S. describes as a setup. Um, so there's some talk about maybe exchanging the two of them to uh, for this arms dealer. The problem is, is that this arms dealer is serving 25 years in the United States, and you look at the uh, the comparable supposed crimes, and will the United States bend 
and 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 uh, make that kind of an exchange. I think that Joe Biden is in a situation where he doesn't have a lot of choice. He may not want to, but with what's going on uh, in the world right now, with what's going on in politics here in the United States, that probably the best thing that he can do for his uh, popularity ratings and uh, help the Democratic Party out as a whole, he may have to make this swap whether he wants to or not. And at the end of the day, whether Brittany Griner had these vape cartridges or not, what's going on over there is just ludicrous. I mean, you'd think that she had killed somebody the way that they are parading her around and making her sound like some, uh, uh, you know, big time uh, criminal. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I think something is going to happen sooner rather than later. There seems to be a lot of momentum here in the United States all of a sudden. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, the political pressure is going to become too much on Joe Biden and whether he wants to believe in making a swap or not, he's not going to have any choice. Um, one other note before we uh, get to the Sox game last night and the, uh, the debut of Brian Bayo, uh, the Cleveland Browns have finally pulled the trigger on a trade uh, for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has been sent to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional draft pick. Uh, what does that mean? It's going to depend on how Baker Mayfield performs, how many snaps he takes uh, for the Panthers as to what kind of draft pick the Browns will get. Uh, he's got an $18.8 million salary for this year. The Browns are going to pay about $10.5 million of that. And uh, the Panthers will pay four point eight. And Mayfield is actually taking a $3.5 million pay cut. Here's the deal. He, he didn't have a lot of choice here. Baker Mayfield wants to play. The Browns traded for Deshaun Watson, pretty much mortgaged the fr- franchise for a guy that probably isn't going to be able to play this year because of all the sexual abuse allegations. Uh, he's going to be suspended by the NFL. But there was no way that they were going to uh, have Baker Mayfield as their quarterback after what they did to him. They couldn't, and Baker Mayfield didn't want that. So he had to take the pay cut. So he will now compete with Sam Darnold for the starting job in Carolina. Uh, the, the plot twist to this is that the opening game for the Cleveland Browns is against those Carolina Panthers. So if Baker Mayfield wins that job out of NFL training camp, his first game with the Carolina Panthers will be against his old team. That, that'll be fun. you know. And whether or not he wins the, the starting job remains to be seen. Look, Sam Darnold has been underwhelming in his entire NFL career, both with the Jets and with the Panthers. Um, but Baker Mayfield is coming off of shoulder surgery. He had it at the end of last year. He actually sat out the last game of last year when it appeared that the uh, – or when it was evident that the Browns were not going to make the playoffs – and uh, he had hoped to be back. So we'll see what kind of physical shape he is in and whether he's able to compete for that job. It doesn't mean he won't win it. Um, but if he takes 70% of the snaps for the Carolina Panthers this year, the Cleveland Browns will get a fourth-round draft pick from Carolina. Uh, if he doesn't take 70%, it will be something less than that. So uh, they're not exactly getting a haul for Baker Mayfield, but they've painted themselves in a corner by doing what they did with Deshaun Watson, which to me, and Deshaun Watson, look, as a quarterback, we all know he's very talented. As a human being, well, that's kind of up in the air. But the fact that the Browns went out and I think it was six draft picks, I mean, it was a a bunch of number ones and just don't understand it. I, I know he's talented, but to take on that kind of baggage, and now you have set this franchise back. You know, I know they have Jacoby Brissett, 
to play quarterback if Baker Mayfield, uh, I mean, if uh, Deshaun Watson gets suspended, which he likely will. But you've set this franchise back. Jacoby Brissett is not leading this team to the Super Bowl. And now, you know, you're going to have to wait at least a year for Deshaun Watson. So now, you know, everything kind of, uh, you had some momentum going. Mayfield's injury last year certainly did not help that team. There were a lot of expectations. But now this franchise has been set back even more uh, with the way this whole thing was handled. So, uh, but uh, clean slate for Mayfield out in uh, in Carolina. Carolina hasn't had any kind of consistency at quarterback for a long, long time. And head coach Matt Rule really looking for that. And uh, maybe Baker Mayfield can be that guy. We'll see. Um, so let's get to the Red Sox last night. A disappointing performance, uh, to say the least, overall. Uh, Brian Bayo got the start. Welcome to the um, the the major leagues, young man. And as he said after the game, and look, I give the kid a lot of credit. As he said after the game, these are not the same hitters that you face in AAA. And you know the other thing that Bayo did, and look, we saw that the kid can throw the ball hard, right? Fastball, upper nineties. Um, has a good sinker. His changeup is great. I love the fact that the kid has confidence in his changeup. He was down a couple of times in counts, like two balls and no strikes, which was normally what you would think would be a fastball count. And he was throwing his changeup and getting swings and misses or getting called strikes on changeups that he's making at 2-0. So I love the fact that he's got the confidence in that. But by and large, he was a two-pitch pitcher last night. And you, I don't care who you are, when you leave – you know, your fastball up in the zone, they're going to whack it. And the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays certainly did some whacking last night. They had uh, all kinds of doubles. I think they hit four doubles last night off of Bayo. Uh, he gives up six hits, four runs. He walked three guys. You know, and he had a huge swing and miss rate down in the minor leagues. He only got six swings and misses in all of the pitches he threw last night. He threw... Uh, 79 pitches, only 45 for strikes, and he only got six, six swings and misses. Very unusual for him. But again, when you're in the major leagues, you can't make mistakes. And he kept left, letting his, uh, leaving his pitches up, and uh, they made him pay. But And I don't think he's staying. I think it's going to be one of those. This is probably a spot start, and, and he's going to go back down to the minor leagues. Maybe he gets one more depending on the uh, how rapidly Rich Hill and Nate Evaldi are able to come back. Uh, Evaldi is going to start a uh, rehab down in minor leagues probably this weekend. So it's going to depend on how quickly those guys come back. Uh, Hill's on the DL, uh, but uh, he was throwing, and he said the knee feels good with the brace they gave him. So his stay there is probably going to be short. But uh, maybe Bayo gets one more, but probably not. Um, the good news uh, for the Red Sox, and I've been calling for this, is um, and, and I said to my wife last night, it's great when they listen. Uh, when they brought Bayo up, they had to make room on the roster, and they designated uh, Hansel Robles for assignment. So Hansel Robles is done with the Red Sox. Look, you know, he had a couple of pretty good appearances for him last year, helped him get into the playoffs. He started off this season great. Uh, but in his last, what did I see, his last 18 appearances, which encompassed 15 and two-thirds innings, I read this in the Globe this morning, he had an ERA of nine. In 15 and two-thirds innings, he gave up 16 earned runs and four homers. So, I mean, there, there was this was a no-brainer. He had to go. Um, you know, and one other, uh, you know, one other thing I was, I was, uh, uh, I think it was Pete Abraham 
that wrote this uh, this morning. Uh, one thing that, to note when you look at, at Bayo's debut, and people are going to say, ah, geez, how disappointing was that, yada, yada, yada. Uh, as Pete Abraham pointed out in the Globe this morning, let's uh, remember that when Roger Clemens made his debut for the Red Sox against Cleveland in 1984, he gave up five runs and 11 hits in five and two-thirds innings. Not exactly uh, Cy Young material. John Lester, uh, when he made his debut for the Red Sox, walked four guys, gave up five hits and three runs in four and a third innings against the Texas Rangers. Not exactly Hall of Fame material. So, you know, one one outing does not determine how good this kid is, you know, and we have to we have to keep that in mind. And, and Bayo said himself after the game, uh, he said, I was not aggressive enough. You know, I was trying to be too selective and – and maybe a little bit too cautious. I wasn't aggressive enough, and it, and it hurt me. So, uh, and the Red Sox lose the game seven to one. You know, it's it's you know, Yandy Diaz just wore the Red Sox out in this series as they take two out of three. The Red Sox, by the way, zero and eight in series against the American League East, zero and eight, and yet somehow they're in second place. That's why they're fourteen games behind the Yankees. But that's you know that goes to show how tough that American League East is. You know, the Red Sox made all kinds of hay against the Central and the West, but, man, that American League East is killing them. Killing them. Um, And the last bit of Red Sox news this morning, Chris Sale uh, made his final, or what we think is his final rehab start uh, in the minor leagues for Worcester yesterday. He only lasted three and two-thirds innings. Uh, Now, he only gave up one run. He gave up three hits, and none of them were hit hard, but uh, he struck out five. The problem was is he walked five guys. He threw 72 pitches in three and two-thirds innings, five walks, you know, uh, and he was pissed. There's no other way to put it. There was video this morning um, on Twitter of him after he had gotten pulled from the game, uh, of him down in the tunnel and you can't see completely what he's doing because he's kind of around the corner. But you can see he's throwing things. He rips something off the wall. He's just – he kicks something, and he was pissed. You know, and, and when he was asked about it, he said, ah, not good. He said, I was out there fishing today. He said, nothing to hang your hat on. But he insists that he's ready to come back. Uh, the first pitch that he threw last night, 97 miles an hour. Uh, after that, his fastball range, you know, 93, 96. They said, you know, it, the, the issue just was command. It wasn't that his stuff wasn't there. It was just being able to command the strike zone. So, um, you know, will they make him make one more? Maybe, but I don't think Chris Sale is going to be happy about it if they do. He's made it very clear uh, that he is ready to return to the Red Sox. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, it could be next week in Tampa. If they keep him on schedule, he would start. I believe the first game in the series in Tampa. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, of course, the Red Sox have to worry about the four games with the New York Yankees first this weekend. Red Sox haven't seen the Yankees since the opening weekend. I mean, it's been forever. It's just a weird schedule. Garrett Cole is going to start for the Yankees tonight. He's been pretty good of late, but we've seen him uh, have some rough outings. He got roughed up a little bit by the Red Sox early uh, Josh Winkowski is going to start for the Red Sox. This kid's been, you know, a little bit of a rough start, but he's now uh, he's thrown 26 innings, got a 3-2 and two record, an ERA of just over three, 
And uh, I like the kid's attitude. He said, I'm just going out there, and I'm just going to prepare for this as if it's just another game. I'm going to treat it just like it's another start. It doesn't matter who the opposing lineup is. I'm going to try to do the same thing every game. That's great. <laughs> Except this Yankee team leads the major leagues in home runs. 139 of them. They hit six bombs last night. They beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 16 to nothing. Two touchdowns, and they went for two after both touchdowns. Aaron Judge, grand slam, his 30th homer of the season. Uh, Aaron Hicks had a grand slam in this. Stanton, Donaldson, Joey Gallo, Higashioka all went deep. It was just carnage in Pittsburgh last night. Um so you can treat it just like it's any other opponent, and you can treat it like, you know, I'm just going to go out and kind of do my thing. But this Yankee lineup is just asinine. I don't know any other way to put it. Their 59th victory of the the season last night, 59-23. and 23. Judge with 30 bombs. He's on pace to hit 60. He has slowed down a little bit. You know what is funny? After the game, they talked to him, and he said he felt like he'd been stuck on 29 home runs for, uh, he said, quote-unquote, a while. Yeah, You know what a while was? Four games. I mean, he's just he's doing ridiculous. He's hitting 287. 30 bombs, leads the major leagues. Uh, he's second in RBI. Uh, he's now got 64. I mean, it's just crazy what this guy is doing. And think about what the Yankees are going to have to pay. He's a free agent at the end of this year. And he already turned down an eight-year contract for somewhere around 230 to 35 million bucks. Right? So they were going to pay him almost 30 million dollars a year for eight years, and he turned him down. Supposedly, his people are looking for a deal in line with what Mike Trout got. Or, or at least uh, what the average annual value of Mike Trout's deal was. And uh, Mike Trout got nine years. If his people want nine years and they want more than Mike Trout got, that means that Aaron Judge is going to be a nine-year, $320 million contract. Think about that for a minute. That means he would be making in excess of $35 million a year. It, uh, it's just those numbers are mind-boggling, and I know you know it is what it is. Uh, he's making $19 million this year, the poor guy. Uh, they agreed to that to avoid an arbitration hearing. But it is going to cost Hal Steinbrenner and the Yankees uh, the gross national product of, uh, of a couple of small countries to lock Aaron Judge up, you know, after this. And there's no doubt that he's going to get his money. And if it's not from the Yankees, somebody else will give it to him. So I don't think Hal Steinbrenner has a lot of choice here. Uh, you know, I don't want to go crazy, but this is, you know, this would be like, uh, you know, the Yankees uh, in his heyday trading Mickey Mantle. Now, Aaron Judge isn't Mickey Mantle. Like I said, I don't want to go crazy. But – that's how popular Aaron Judge is. You know, this would be like trading Derek Jeter or Joe DiMaggio or or Mickey Mantle or Yogi Berra because, you know, there are just certain players that become 
you know, the core, the the franchise face, so to speak, and Aaron Judge is that for the New York Yankees. So they can't let him go. I'm sure there'll be some teams out there that will want to try to throw him a whole bunch of money to lure him away. But I think Aaron Judge's heart actually is in New York. And I think as long as the Yankees don't try to lowball him, and I and I, I got to believe that Hal Steinbrenner's not that stupid. You know, they threw out the test balloon of, of uh, you know, 230 mil. But now that they know kind of where the ballpark is, let's see how serious they are. And I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked, if Aaron Judge is not in a New York Yankee uniform next year making something like $33, 34000000 million a year. 31 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. The Toronto Blue Jays finally snapped their five-game losing streak yesterday. They uh, salvaged the last game of the series with the Oakland Athletics, winning it 2-1. to one. Certainly was not easy. James Caprillion got the start for the Athletics. It was his best start of the season. Six innings, five hits, just one run. He did walk four guys, uh, but pitched very, very well and uh, made one mistake uh, that cost him. Gave up a home run to Matt Chapman in the seventh inning. They brought him out to start the seventh inning. The first guy he faced, Matt Chapman, by the way, one of his best friends. Chapman takes him deep. Uh, the 13th home run of the year for Chapman. Caprillion's day is over. Uh, and then uh, Toronto comes up with a run in the eighth inning off of uh, Juan Acevedo. It was a Bo Bichette homer in the eighth inning, and they end up beating the Athletics 2-1. to one. So the A's miss out on a chance for their first series sweep of the season, and the Blue Jays uh, needed that one very, very badly uh, as the uh, logjam for the wild card race in the American League tightens up even more. I mean, right now, and it looks like it's going to be this way for the rest of the season, uh, the wild, uh, all the wild card teams, all three of them, are coming out of the AL East. I mean, when you look at this, the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays are tied for the number one wild card position right now at 45 and 37. Toronto is a game back at 35, or a half a game back at 35 or 45 and 38. So a half a game separates the three teams, and uh, there's uh, there's nothing that makes me think anybody else is going to make a run at this. You know, I, Cleveland looked like for a while they might be. Uh, they might be, but they've now lost four in a row. They got swept by the Detroit Tigers. The Guardians got swept by the Tigers and now are at 500. Uh, Seattle, a game under 500, but the wild card teams are all coming out of the ALE, so they really needed that one. Toronto got a good performance yesterday out of Jose Barrios, who had been struggling quite a bit, uh, but he goes uh, six innings in this one, only gives up one run, uh, and uh, the Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays. Uh, and, and that Seattle team I just mentioned, the Blue Jays have a four-game series in Seattle starting today. Uh, it was supposed to be Kevin Gausman's start, uh, but uh, uh, he had a, got a come, comebacker off of his foot on Saturday, uh, and it's still not right. So they said he is probably not going to be able to make his start uh, in the game today. So they don't know who their starter is going to be. could end up being a bullpen game, or maybe they call somebody up. Uh, and the A's get to become cannon fodder for the Houston Astros. 
Uh, although the A's are sending out their best pitcher, Paul Blackburn, who's had a great year, 6-3 and three with a 2.90 ERA. My guess is Paul Blackburn is going to be the A's representative in the All-Star game coming up. He's, I mean, he's the only guy on this team uh, that's done anything. So uh, it'll be Blackburn uh, taking on the Houston Astros uh, after an off day today. Um, the Mets. Well, the Mets uh, finally get a win, but it was not easy. They, uh, they needed this one badly. They score five runs in the 10th inning to beat the lowly Cincinnati Reds 8-3. to uh, Not a good starting performance by Peterson last night for the Mets. Got knocked out in the fourth inning. Um, but the bullpen bails him out. The bullpen throws six and a third innings of one-hit baseball. They didn't walk any, or they, excuse me, they walked one guy and struck out nine in six and a third innings. So uh, Adam Adovino ends up picking up the win. Uh, Ed, we got a couple of strikeouts in the ninth inning. Edwin Diaz pitched the 10th. It wasn't a save situation because the Mets had that big 10th uh, uh, inning. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, a three-run bomb uh, to cap that uh, five-run 10th inning. Uh, for Nimmo, it was his seventh of the season. It's good to see Nimmo. If, look, if, if Brandon Nimmo stays healthy, he is uh, uh, he's in the top echelon of outfielders. He's a very good defensive center fielder. He can hit the ball. He's got his average now up to 280. Um, Starley Marte with a couple of hits last night as well for the Mets. Uh, so the Mets right the ship pick up their 51st victory of the season. You know, they make it sound like the Mets are in this big slide, but they're still 20 games over 500. But uh, they see the uh, the uh, Atlanta Braves. You know that sign on the uh, on your rearview mirror that said objects may appear closer than they than they appear, <laughs> or, or objects are closer than they appear. Yeah, well, that's kind of like what the Braves are after that ridiculous June that they had, where they only lost like five games. Uh, the Atlanta Braves now two and a half back. So from nine and a half to two and a half, it's a close race in the NL East. Um, the Mets uh, will take on the Miami Marlins in a four-game series starting tonight at City Field. Uh, it'll be Trevor Williams that will get the start for the Mets tonight. Uh, the Reds uh, get to play the Pirates today. There's, I'll tell you what, think about what kind of a crowd we're going to have there, right? Two teams with like 28 wins. Uh, it's a double header this afternoon. Man, whew, that's a snoozer. Uh, the Braves kept it rolling. They've won three in a row, seven out of the last ten. They shut out the St. Louis Cardinals. Max Freed uh, with a great performance, and they win this game three to nothing. Uh, and how about uh, the ageless wonder? Albert Pujols picks up a couple of hits. I shouldn't call him the ageless wonder. It's not fair. He's only hitting 200, but he had two hits yesterday uh, for the Cardinals, but that was about the bright spot. Uh, and called, Paul Goldschmidt had a couple of hits as well. But other than that, it was all Atlanta in this one. Uh, Miles Michaelis got the start for the St. Louis Cardinals, ends up giving up a couple of bombs, and that was the difference in this one. Uh, Marcelo Zuna took him deep in the fifth, and then Eddie Rosario, his first home run of the season, Rosario just recently off the injured list. Uh, he hits his first of the season, so Michaelis falls to 5-7. and seven. Max Fried was awesome, picked up his ninth win of the season. Six innings, five hits, no runs, struck out four, walked one. Uh, uh, A.J. Minter picks up his second save uh, as they wait to see the status of Kenley Jansen, uh, who, of course, was out with uh, a heart issue, that uh, something that's been a problem for him throughout his career. Uh, supposedly, he is close to returning from the injured list. They need that badly. 
Uh, Adam Duvall is expected to get back in the lineup tonight for the Braves. Um, he was hitting the left hand on Saturday against Cincinnati, uh, and uh, he was uh, in the bench on the bench and has not played since being hit on the hand. Uh, as far as the Braves go, they have the Cardinals again today trying to complete the sweep. Um, it will be Spencer Strider, uh, one of these young kids that nobody did, well, most people hadn't heard of, but he's uh, pitched very well for Atlanta, 4-2 and two with a 2.87 ERA. Uh, and Matthew Libertor will get the start for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals taking on a little bit of water right now. Uh, they are three games back of Milwaukee. Fortunately uh, for the Cardinals, uh, Milwaukee lost yesterday, but the Cardinals have lost four in a row, seven of the last ten, and now are just four games over 500. It is 41 minutes past the hour. We've got to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 43 minutes past the hour. This is the wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. You know, I was mentioning the sweep of the, uh, uh, or the uh, attempted sweep of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals by the Atlanta Falcons. How about this one? How about the Baltimore Orioles? You know, and I did a podcast last night. As a matter of fact, uh, it's called The Boys of Summer. I do it with uh, my friends Paul Arnold and Eric Braun. It, it's available today anywhere where you get your podcasts. Um and we were talking uh, last night about kind of a, a, a midseason breakdown of uh, surprises, disappointments in Major League Baseball. And, and I made the case last night that perhaps one of the biggest surprises in baseball to date is the play of the Baltimore Orioles. I know that sounds kind of silly, a team that's like lost 100 games uh, for the last three years in a row, but the Baltimore Orioles are a respectable franchise right now or a respectable team their team their their franchise is in disarray they have the owners are suing each other uh the the the, the mother and the, the kids are all suing each other over who should have control of the team and you know it's like you know some of the the squabbling and you read the stuff about what's going on in the front office and it's like remember when you were a kid and you know, you'd, you'd say, Ma, he's touching me, Ma. You, you know, it was one of those things. It's like this this petty squabbling stuff going on, and it just it sounds awful. But uh, the Orioles sweep the Texas Rangers. How about that? They win yesterday 2-1. to one. Uh, Spencer Watkins, with a great performance, picks up his second win of the year, goes six and two-thirds, four hits, and just one run. And uh, they take care of the uh, Texas Rangers. Uh, the Orioles are now 39-44. and 44. They are just five games under five hundred. 39 and 44. I mean, you know, they have a better record, folks, than the Texas Rangers that they beat last night. Then the Los Angeles Angels, the team with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, they have a better record than the Los Angeles Angels. They have a better record or the same record as the Chicago White Sox with all that talent. Think about that. You know, and maybe if they're not in the American League East, you know, they might be in playoff contention. They're only six games back of the wild card, for God's sake. Now, I mean, I'm not going to get carried away and say that they're about to, you know, contend for a playoff spot, but they have been a pleasant surprise. And, you know, look, the fact they've that, that's a great fan base there. They have the best ballpark in Major League Baseball. I don't care what anybody says, and I'm a Red Sox fan. I love Fenway Park as much as the next guy, but I have never enjoyed a game, I think, uh, more than I did all the times that I have gone to Camden Yards. I've never had a bad seat. I've never had to put up with obnoxious fans. The food is great. The location is great. I just, I mean, it is the best. 
So it's great for baseball if the Orioles can become relevant again. You know, and it looks like some of these young kids that they were hoping, you know, were going to become big players for them are actually doing that. Ryan Mountcastle has turned out to be um, a very legitimate major league player. You know, I so, I mean, it's good to see, you know, and the, the kid Adley Rutschman got off to a bit of a, a rough start. The catcher, the kid that they think is kind of their – uh, their future, you know, he struggled early on. He's still only hitting uh, like 215 or something like that, but uh, he is starting to figure it out. Anthony Sandander uh, is having a down year. Uh, Trey Mancini, there's been talk about them trading Trey Mancini. I think they're foolish if they do it. We know that uh, Mullins is a great center fielder. I mean, they've got some young kids on this team that are pretty good. You know, if they can just figure out the pitching part of it, they could become a problem. You know, and they have given the Red Sox and the Yankees and the, the Rays and the Blue Jays all that they can handle at times this year. So uh, I would say that they are right now uh, one of the pleasant surprises uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, what's not a surprise in Major League Baseball? Uh, the Astros are really good, and the Royals really are not very good. But the Royals somehow find a way to win last night. They beat the uh, Houston Astros 7-4. to They had leads in, actually, I think all three of the games in this series and ended up losing them late, or losing two of them late. Uh, Brad Keller was not great last night, but fortunately the offense was great for the Kansas City Royals as they got to Christian Javier last night. They took him deep three times. He only gave up four hits in five innings. Three of them left the ballpark. Uh, Whit Merrifield with a homer in the first inning. Uh, Hunter Dozier had one in the first inning as well, and then Rivera hit one in the second. So that was uh, all that the uh, Kansas City Royals needed as the bullpen did a great job giving up just two hits over the next three and a third inning. And uh, Joel Barlow picks up his 13th save of the season. Joel Barlow, by the way, is a guy with the trade deadline coming up. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be very, very interested in. Uh, he's got a, a walks and hits to innings pitch that, that's sub one. And uh, he has been dynamite. Struck out two uh, in his inning of work yesterday. Low does he at 2.39. Uh, Andrew Benintendi last night went two for three, scored three times, walked twice, has his batting average up to 316. Uh, he is another guy with the trade deadline coming up that is likely to be playing elsewhere uh, after the uh, All-Star break. I'd be surprised if he's still – he's a free agent at the end of this year. So, <coughs> excuse me, it makes absolutely no sense uh, for the Royals to hang on to him. Uh, there's been talk that the Yankees would be very interested in him with Joey Gallo struggling the way he is hitting something like a buck 70, uh, to get a guy like Benintendi to play the corner outfield would be huge for the Yankees. God, they, Jesus, please. I mean, <laughs> they, they have enough already. The last, if, if they get Andrew Benintendi, you know, it's one of those things. If, if you're anybody else in the American league you just you know, may, maybe with the exception of Houston, you just kind of throw up your hands and go, you know, we give up, you know, so uh, here's hoping that that doesn't happen. But uh, Justin Verlander is going to take the mound in the se uh, the series finale uh, tonight. Verlander is 10-3 and three with a 2.03 ERA. He is tied for the major league lead with wins. Uh, you would say advantage Houston in this one to say the least. Chris Bubich makes the start tonight uh, for the Royals. He is 1-5 with a 7.06 ERA. So uh, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd put some money I'd put some money on the Houston Astros tonight, which is why exactly why the Royals will probably win this game because you just don't bet on baseball. 
Uh, the Dodgers beat the Rockies last night 2-1. to one. They complete the sweep of that series. It was a uh, well-pitched, well-played game. Uh, Craig Kimbrell picks up the win, uh, pitching a scoreless ninth inning. Daniel Bard uh, gives it up in the ninth. He gave up three hits and uh, one run. And uh, the winning run scores. Cody Bellinger scores it on an infield single uh, by Mookie Betts with the bases loaded. And the Dodgers win that one by a final of 2-1. to one. Uh, The Dodgers start a series at home against the Cubs today. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, 10-0, uh, folks with a 1.54 ERA, gets the start against the Cubs today. But the Cubs have been tough. Uh, the Cubs really struggled in June, but they have uh, played 11-8 and eight ball in their last 19 games. We saw them uh, kind of tune up the Red Sox a little bit, and they are playing much better baseball. So the Dodgers, you know, hoping uh, that they can turn that around. But Gonsolin, 10-0, 1.54, will get the start uh, against the Cubs in the opener of that one tonight. Uh, Shohei Otani does it again. Seven innings. Struck out 10, walked three, only gave up two hits, one unearned run. Picked up his eighth win of the season. Oh, and by the way, he hit the go-ahead single as they uh, pull away to beat the Miami Marlins 5-2 to two yesterday. Uh, Shoei Otani, of course, who is the reigning most valuable player in the American League. I'm beginning to wonder, and, and, and probably not because of what Justin Verlander is doing, but you begin you look at this and... You know, uh, his offensive numbers are not what they were last year necessarily. Uh, hitting 259 is not hitting the ball out at the rate he did last year. But you wonder if uh, Shohei Otani could go from being MVP to Cy Young Award winner. 8-4 and four with an ERA at 2.44. It is not beyond the realm of possibility if he continues to do this. Uh, that he could become the first person in history to ever win an MVP and a Cy Young. Now, uh, I say that, you know, let's remember, there was no Cy Young award when Babe Ruth was playing, right? There was no Most Valuable Player award when Babe Ruth was playing. So, you know, it, it's it's not necessarily apples to oranges, but what Shohei Otani is doing, there is no doubt, it is historic. And, uh, again, I don't want to go crazy and say that he's Babe Ruth because, you know, if you look at Babe Ruth's numbers, both on the mound and on the on at the plate, he far surpasses anything that Shohei Otani is doing. But that is not to say that Shohei Otani has not been special because he certainly has. Uh, the White Sox come back to win a game yesterday, a game they needed very badly. Uh, they beat the Minnesota Twins 9-8. to It happens in the 10th inning. Andrew Vaughn with a two-run home run to tie it up in the 8th. And then Lurie Garcia, an RBI single in the 10th to give the White Sox the victory in this one. Uh, Lance Lynn got the start, struggled again. Uh, he has had trouble finding his uh, his form after missing most of the season. He got hurt in spring training. I think this was just his third or fourth start. He's got an ERA of 5.33 after giving up five runs and six hits in five innings yesterday. Uh, but the bullpen... Uh, manages to get it done in the last couple innings. Liam Hendricks and Ruiz uh, close this one out. Ruiz ends up getting the win. The loss goes to Moran um, as uh, the White Sox win this one in extras. Uh, the White Sox now will go to face those red-hot Detroit Tigers who just finished off the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, but the White Sox sit five and a half games behind the Twins, but they needed that one. Uh, White Sox playing better. They've won six of the last ten. They are just a game back of the uh, Guardians for second place. And and I said this on the podcast last night, and I truly believe it. If Tony La Russa was not a Hall of Fame manager, 
he would have been fired already. I know they've had a lot of injuries, but with the amount of young talent on that team, much was expected, much probably should be expected, and LaRusse has been second-guessed to death in some cases, rightly so. Um, but I think the only thing saving his ass and his job right now is the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame. It's that simple. Uh, last thing before we get out of here this morning, I meant to mention this yesterday, but uh, a historic moment in the NHL, Mike Greer becomes the first black general manager in NHL history uh, as he is given the job with the San Jose Sharks. Look, Greer spent 14 seasons in the NHL. Uh, I think he played three or four years uh, with the Sharks. He retired uh, in 2011, played over 1,000 career games. Um, he's been a, he's been a uh, assistant coach. He's been a scout. Uh, he's been a hop- hockey operations guy. I mean, so he knows all facets of the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that here we are in 2022 and we're still talking about milestones like this. But uh, this, is a, this is a big one. And, and uh, there are more uh, people of color playing NHL hockey than we've ever had before. Uh, you know, you never saw African-American players playing uh, baseball before. Ever. I mean baseball. I mean uh, playing uh, hockey before. Now we see it, um, I wouldn't say on a regular basis, but we're seeing it more and more. And now Mike Greer becomes the first black GM in NHL history. So congratulations to him. And I'm looking forward to the day that we no longer have to talk about the first black, the first woman, the first Latino, the first Asian, the first anything. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's time that uh, – uh, that some of these uh, glass ceilings, if you want to call them that, whatever it is, some of these things need to come down. And uh, Mike Greer uh, takes down another one as he becomes the first black GM in the NHL. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hey, it's Ringo Starr's birthday. He is 82 years old today. You know who else? Doc Severinsen's birthday today. He's 95 years old. I didn't know Doc was still alive. So he outlived Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon and probably everybody else that was on that show uh, but Doc's 95 today, but Ringo Starr is 82, so uh, we'll leave you this morning with some Beatles music. We don't play the Beatles very often here, but uh, here's one of the songs that featured Ringo Starr. It's called Act Naturally. Have a happy birthday, Ringo. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.